You're listening to Sunday on the Commons, a podcast featuring sermons from the United Congregational Church in Little Compton, Rhode Island. You can learn more about our church and ministries by visiting our website, www.ucclittlecompton.org. You're also invited to join us every Sunday for worship at 10 a.m. on the Commons in Little Compton. This week, we're continuing our sermon series on the life and faith of Mr. Rogers. We'll look more closely at Mr. Rogers' ministry to children and how he took very seriously Jesus' call to welcome the little children and bless them. Also, Friday, October 4th at 5.30 p.m., we'll be kicking off a new program, First Fridays, Family Dinner and Game Night at the Church. All are welcome. We hope you'll join us. The reading today is from Mark chapter 9. Verses 33 through 37. Then they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What are you arguing about on the way? But they were silent. For on the way they had argued with one another, who was the greatest. He sat down, who called the twelve and said to them, Whoever wants to be the first must be said, must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This ends the reading. reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 13 to 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might bless them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me, do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Here ends the reading. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your eyes. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In 1951, Fred Rogers visited his parents' home, and they were watching television. And he was appalled by what he saw. In particular, he was indignant that this powerful new technology, for it was very new technology at the time, was being used for mindless entertainment, for slapstick comedy and casual violence that gave no consideration for how these images would influence the audience watching them, 
particularly children. He once famously said in an interview, I went into television because I hated it so. And I thought, there's some way of using this fabulous instrument to nurture those who would watch and listen. And so he postponed his seminary education and his dream of becoming a pastor and instead went and began his career in television with the mission of creating a program for children, not with the aim of making money or entertaining people, but with the goal of teaching, nurturing, and loving children right through the television. Fred Rogers understood that Jesus' call to welcome the little children was not just a reminder to, behave, to model good behavior and polytest to the next generation. He understood that welcoming, caring for, and protecting children was not merely some side issue of our faith, but that it cut to the heart of our Gospels. Why? Because as Christians, we believe that Jesus came to proclaim God's kingdom to show us what God's reign looks like, and to enlist us in the holy work of building it, seeking it, and living it out. In God's kingdom, the powerless will be lifted up, the weak and humble exalted. In God's kingdom, all the systems of injustice that prey on the vulnerable will be dismantled. The tyrants will be toppled from their thrones those who seize power and lorded it over others, those who enjoyed their influence and status without consideration for how it impacted others will be brought low. In God's kingdom, that same kingdom for which we pray to come near each Sunday, children will not suffer because of the carelessness or the greed or the cruelty of the adults in their world. In fact, Jesus goes so far to say that God's kingdom will belong to children, and to those who, like children, have no power in the world as we know it. To the poor, the marginalized, the grieving, the weak, the vulnerable. In any era, children have limited power. They do not have the same rights as adults do. They have little control over their environment. Their decisions are mostly made for them. And in Jesus' time, this was even more true. In the intensely patriarchal Greco-Roman culture of the first century, children had few rights, and if those children happened to also be female, poor, orphaned, or suffering from illness or disability, they were even less valued by the culture, even more susceptible to abuse, enslavement, illness, or death. Jesus tells his disciples that in God's kingdom, Children will be welcomed and taken care of as generously and attentively as you would welcome and care for the king, the one who owns the kingdom, himself. Fred Rogers is deeply grounded in this Christian view of God's kingdom. And so he understands that the spiritual health of any community or culture depends on how it treats its children. He knew, in other words, that the more that a society values and loves its children, the closer to God's kingdom we're getting. And the more that a society allows children to suffer or contribute to their neglect or harm, the farther from God's kingdom we're getting. This is why he was so scandalized by what he saw on television. He could see immediately that those in charge of TV programming were treating children merely as potential customers, consumers who could make them money with cheap, flashy programs without taking seriously any responsibility to those children, 
to contributing to their well-being, to helping them learn and grow, to be flourishing, kind, compassionate adults. Fred Rogers understood that Jesus' disciple, what Jesus' disciples can't seem to grasp in our reading today, that the work of being a follower of Christ demands standing against the world's abuses of power and standing with and for those who have none, that our job as Christians is to look out for the vulnerable. Fred Rogers understood that Jesus' call to welcome the little children was an essential part of the broader call to love and care for the powerless. It's hard to think of someone who took Jesus' call more seriously in welcoming the little children than Fred Rogers. His entire life was devoted to paying careful attention to the particular vulnerabilities that children face in our world. And then, creating a place where their well-being, their thriving, was the top priority. I would say that the neighborhood that he created on television was a radical Christian act of kingdom building. In this world of ours, children are often discounted or ignored, especially small children. Their questions, their concerns, their fears are often dismissed as silly or unimportant by the adults around them. But in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, it is the reverse. Children's questions and interests are of the utmost concern. From the fear of going down the drain of the tub, he wrote a song about it to assure them that they could not, to the feelings of anxiety about going to school or having a new sibling, which I can assure you are real. Anything that mattered to a child mattered in his neighborhood. And in this world that he creates, the inner and outer lives of children are held up as valuable, worthy of respect, of care, and of detailed attention. Maxwell King, who wrote the New York Times best-selling biography of Fred Rogers that came out just last year, documents the intense care that he took in shaping each episode of the program. In every aspect of the show, Fred Rogers carefully considered the particular needs, fears, and interests of children. He did everything he could to learn how to best communicate to them on their developmental level. In fact, his colleagues were so taken aback by his excruciating attention to detail that they coined a term for how he talked to kids called Freddish. Freddish, it turns out, actually drew on the best scientific research available at that time about children's psychology and developmental stages. He pored over the scripts to make sure that nothing he said could be taken literally, accidentally, by children, and was known for going back and making them do it again if he later realized that it might. For example, one show, he was teaching the kids about the hospital, and the nurse was blowing up the light, think that it was going to blow up. Because when you blow up something, kids think it's going to blow up. And he was afraid that they would be scared and then miss what happened next. So he made them do the whole scene again. This was the kind of detail that he brought to the show. In the 30-year run of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, he was in continual contact with experts in the fields of child development and psychology, and he was always tweaking the show to make sure that every aspect contributed to children's growing and thriving and never would mislead them, confuse them, or make them feel that their questions were not valuable. He created 
a whole world that belonged to children. In his own way, he tried to create a small slice of God's kingdom, this neighborhood where children were always safe, always heard, always respected, always valued, always loved. But that wasn't where his kingdom building ended. It wasn't just his work in the neighborhood. He also used his show and later his fame and influence to advocate for children nationally and globally. He used every bit of power that he had to bring the real world a little closer to God's kingdom, especially when it came to children, because nothing made Mr. Rogers anger. And if you want to see someone who's really angry, you can see some YouTube videos. It's like controlled anger. Nothing made him angrier than when adults were cavalier or careless about their responsibility to children. When they did not take their God-given responsibility seriously to prioritize the care and protection of children, to think about how their actions, their supportive policies, their decisions impacted kids. And he was not afraid to speak directly to preach, if you will, even when it was unpopular or intensely uncomfortable. I watched on YouTube and I recommend to you the moment when Fred Rogers was inducted into the TV Hall of Fame. It's really a beautiful, beautiful moment. He stands up and he gives a speech to a room full of actors and actresses and television producers. And here's what he says. Fame is just a four-letter word. And what ultimately matters is what we do with it. Those of us in television are chosen to be servants. We are chosen to help meet the deeper needs of those who watch and listen. The conductor of the orchestra of the Hollywood Bowl grew up in a family that had little interest in music. But he often tells people he found his early inspiration from the fine musicians on television. Last month, a 13-year-old boy abducted an 8-year-old girl. And when people asked him why, he said he learned about it on TV. Life is cheap. What does it matter? Well, life isn't cheap. It's the great mystery of any millennium, and television needs to do all it can to broadcast that, to show and tell what the good in life is all about. But how do we make goodness attractive? By doing whatever we can to bring courage to those whose lives move near our own, by treating our neighbor at least as good as ourselves, and allowing that to inform everything we produce. Fred Rogers stood up and gently chastised a room full of television stars and producers about how they did their job. While he was receiving an award from them, he wanted them to think about the children who were watching and listening and learning. Either appreciation for music or casually embracing violence. But of course, he didn't only chastise, he also encouraged. Some of you remember, I know I do, that he came on the air right after 9-11. Does anyone remember that? Came on the air right after 9-11, and it was actually shortly before he died. Uh, he, I think he died the following February. And he spoke directly to adults, and I actually quoted him in the meditation for today. He said, I'm convinced that when we help our children find healthy ways of dealing with their feelings, ways that don't hurt them or anyone else, we're helping to make our world a safer, better place. And I'm so grateful to you 
for helping the children in your life to know that you'll do everything you can to keep them safe and to help them express their feelings in ways that will bring healing in many different neighborhoods. He implores the parents directly, the adults who have the ability to protect and care for children. He saw his work with children as contributing to the larger enterprise of making the world a better place. It was not just about caring for our children here at home, but for all children in every neighborhood. One of the most extraordinary things about Mr. Rogers when you start learning about his life and work is how committed he was to his principles, his core values. He was not afraid to go against the culture, to stand up to those who had power on behalf of those who had none. His commitment to pacifism. He was particularly concerned with how war impacted children, both the children of our own soldiers and the children of those we fought. Michael G. Long, a scholar who has researched the pacifism of Rogers' scripts and speeches and sermons, writes that, perhaps most of all, Fred was a Christian peacemaker. The compassion he expressed toward victims of violence and injustice was not for its own sake. It was ultimately for the sake of the peaceable reign of God. Rogers opposed all U.S. wars in his lifetime, as well as various barriers to individual and social peace, because he believed that the Prince of Peace beckons us to establish the peaceful reign of God here on earth, in our hearts, in our communities, in our societies. And Rogers set out to help establish God's reign on earth with every tool and gift he had. From the beginning, he didn't shy away from highlighting difficult subjects or using his neighborhood to make social commentary his very first show aired during the Vietnam War, and in the first week of episodes, Rogers directly addressed the issue of war and peacemaking through the storylines in the Kingdom of Make-Believe. The puppet, King Friday the 13th, decides there's too much change happening, and he outlaws it. And he builds a wall around the kingdom to keep change out. And then... King Friday the 13th becomes convinced that they are going to be invaded by people who will bring more change. And so he doubles down on preparing to defend his kingdom. I encourage you to look it up on YouTube. It's fascinating. Eventually, his niece, Lady Aberlin, and the puppet, Daniel Tiger, release message of peace into the air on balloons and convince King Friday to come to his senses. The neighborhood returns to normal. This may seem like a simple kid story of war and peace, but against the backdrop of a controversial war, it was a bold statement. And when you add in the fact that Fred Rogers was a registered Republican, and he was openly criticizing a war supported by a Republican president, it makes his commitment to his convictions even more striking. Can we even imagine someone going against their party in our day and age to support their values? Can we? I'm, I'm serious. He never let party affiliation or denominal affiliation, what his, uh, he was a Presbyterian, what his Presbyterian church said, finally dictate what he believed and what values he considered important. He followed core values that he read in the Bible that he believed Jesus called him to. He had this clear sense of kingdom building. The center of it was advocating for what was best for the vulnerable, especially children. You can tell the spiritual health of any community, any church, any nation, 
by how it treats its children. I find myself frequently wishing that Fred Rogers was still here, I don't know about you, to be our moral compass, to come out with that strong and gentle tone and remind us, look to the children. Consider how what we do and say impacts them. If you think about the weighty matters of our day and, and then view them as Fred would have through the impact on children, I find that it distills it down into what's really important, doesn't it? Why should we care for our earth even when it's inconvenient and expensive? Because who will suffer the consequences if we do not? Who will inherit a more dangerous earth if we do not? Children. Why should we work for an end to gun violence in our nation, even when it may require personal sacrifice or difficult conversations? Because who will continue to experience the trauma of school shootings? Who will live in fear of losing their lives in school, at the movies, in their church, at a concert? The children. Why should we find a compassionate way to deal with the migrant family seeking refuge at our border? Because who among them is suffering the most trauma, the greatest risk of illness and death? Children. From our local priorities around education to how fast we drive on the road, from who we vote for to the words we use, how we care for and consider the little children is central to our work as Christians, central to the work of kingdom building. Red Rogers understood that he had, by accident of birth and circumstances, been given a powerful role in society. He was born privileged to a wealthy family. He had access to the best education, he went to Dartmouth, and later celebrity status, and he chose to use all the power, all the influence he was granted in consideration of those who had none. And this kind of reversal was very intentional on his part. He said, when I was very young, most of my childhood heroes wore capes, flew through the air, or picked up buildings with one arm. They were spectacular, and they got a lot of attention. But as I grew, my heroes changed, so that now I can honestly say that anyone who does anything to help a child is a hero to me. This was the kind of hero that Fred Rogers was and that he invited us to be. The kind of hero who takes whatever power they have and uses it to help children. So my friends, the question for us as disciples of Christ in this day and age is how are we going to live out Jesus' call to welcome and care for the little children? How will we take whatever power we have, whatever platform, whatever gifts, whatever wealth, whatever status, whatever voice we have been granted, and use them to look to the children? How will we make God's kingdom real for the children of this world? Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you could visit our website, www.ucclittlecompton.org. And if you'd like to show some appreciation for what you've heard today, we invite you to please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our ministry by clicking the donate link in the show notes. The tradition in our church is to end every service with this simple prayer. God be with you till we meet again. By God's counsels, God uphold you. 
with his sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Go in peace.